here today. We have a lot out and we have a lot new today. Um, we have some of our musicians out today and so we're praying for them. So, very excited about this message. Also, I, uh, I want everybody, Carol and Dave, I know I'm, I'm one, this, this is my middle sister. She's from Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the young man that stole her away from me as a little boy. His name is Dave. And they're in for the weekend, and so anytime, and I've actually referenced Carol in a few of my sermons in the past, so I hope you don't put the two together and say, hey, you're the one who did that to him. <laughs> but, but it's great to have him in, so no, no, no counterpoint on this, so we'll be escorting her out quickly right after service, so today I want to talk to you about refocusing your focus. Okay, because sometimes we get things out of focus in our lives. And there was a study uh, of Vicki Medvik from Northwestern University. And she did a study of all of the athletes that have competed, or, or quite a few of the athletes that have competed in the Olympics. And she did a study and surveyed them, and she found out something real interesting. That bronze medalists are happier than silver medalists. Now, you'd say, wait a minute, because it's gold, silver, bronze. And she said that what happened is silver medalists were so focused on what they did wrong and why they didn't get gold, they were never content with silver. But bronze were mostly thankful that they didn't finish fourth and that they got a medal. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that really works into a lot of our lives because we've all known people who can find something good to worship God about in even bad situations. And I hope that you're known as that to your friends and family. But we also are surrounded with a lot of people that can find the bad even in good situations. And they're constantly bombarding you with all the bad that's happening even though God is good. We need to focus on what is good in life and not what is bad. So when it comes down to it, we will tend to see what we're looking for. It's all about our focus. We will tend to see what we're looking for. And if we want to even break that down, it's going to come into two categories. There are complainers and there are worshipers. Those two. And you'll be known as one of them. Because when people see you go through situations, are we complaining or are we worshiping? No matter what's happening, in the good times and in the bad times, are we complaining or are we worshiping? We're going to be looking at that today because complainers can always find something to complain about. But we as born-again Christians should always be finding something to praise God about. No matter what our circumstances, no matter what our situation, no matter what the doctor diagnoses, no matter what your bank account says, we should be finding something to worship God about. Amen? Amen. I'm going to tell you that we develop opinions about everything. We really do. Some of you are very, very good at developing opinions, okay? But we all basically form, and I didn't make any eye contact there. You know, I'm looking over your heads. But you know who you are. But the point is, we develop opinions about everything. Do you like Mexican food? Do you like Italian food? Do you like this? Do you like that? Do you like this football team? Or 
Do you like that football team? <laughs> Sorry, Angel. So the, the point being, you know, when we decide that we don't like someone or something or a race of people or a group of people, we will look for everything that we don't like about them to reinforce our opinion of why we don't like them. And we'll overlook some of the good features of them because we're so adamant about not liking them. On the flip side, if you fall head over heels in love with someone, you're only going to see the good in that person and not the bad. You know, I've told you love is blind, but it's also deaf and dumb sometimes, okay? So we see only the good things that we see about that person and we choose not to look at the things that we know are not good about them. But we become opinionated, and once we become opinionated, we try to make the stance for that. We're looking for what we're looking for. We are always looking for what we're looking for. So if you expect good out of people, you will always be looking for it. If you expect disappointment, you will always be receiving it. Worship, though, and you may say, Pastor Mark, what does this have to do about worship? A worshiper makes, this is really good here, a predecision to look for something to praise about prior to your circumstances. That means, it says, you know what? This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You don't know what this day holds, but God does. And what you're telling Satan and every demonic force is that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship. You have to make that determination before you're in the middle of the storm. Because when you're in the middle of the storm, that's not when you're making those decisions. Remember last week we talked about emergency fire drills and how they teach you to do this if there's a case of an emergency. Remember in school how we had to all line up and, and go outside or even in corporate America where they'll have fire drill marshals? We as Christians need to be prepared for those circumstances also. To determine, to get into the Word of God, to be worshiping God, not when your world falls apart, but even when your world's going great and saying, God, I just love you more. I love you more, God. How do we respond is dependent upon how deep we're in the Word of God. In Acts 16, we're going to be looking at Paul and Silas in a prison cell. Now, I want to encourage you to read the whole chapter of Acts 16 because it's, it's just a great chapter. It's a great book. Just go in and just study the book of Acts. But let me give you a little background on it. Paul and Silas are walking around, and there's a fortune teller that really gets on their nerves. And so they turn around, and they cast the demon out of that fortune teller. Now, let me tell you, fortune tellers are demonic. That's how they tell the future. Okay? Don't play around with fortune tellers. Don't play around with Ouija boards. Don't play around with the occult. You don't realize what you're playing around with. We don't put loaded 45 pistols back in the nursery as toys and say, well, we didn't know that that thing would go off. We know better. And as born-again Christians, you shouldn't be dabbling in with the occult. Tarot cards, all of that, fortune tellers, it's all demon-possessed, okay? They're, they're, they're telling things about it because they're seeing the, the dark side. They even says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. So we, we have to be on guard. But what happens is they cast the demon out of this fortune teller, and she's a slave, and the owner of that slave realized his money-making vending machine just ended, okay? So he gets a mob together, and they attack them, and they get thrown in jail. And we're going to look now at Acts 16, verses 22 
through 25, and I'll put the scriptures up on the screen. And it says, the crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas. Then the officials tore the clothes off of Paul and Silas and ordered the guards to beat them with sticks. Sounds like a fun day, doesn't it? After they had hit Paul and Silas many times, how many times they hit them? Okay. They threw them in jail and ordered the jailer to keep them under tight security. So the jailer followed these orders and put Paul and Silas into solitary confinement with their feet in leg irons. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. I, I just had to stop right there. Sometimes you just got to stop. There, I, I, around midnight, what are they doing? They're praying. And they're singing hymns of praise to God. And talk about captive audience. The other prisoners were listening to them. Okay. I think God has a sense of humor. Okay. They weren't sleeping. That's right. They're up listening to these two worshiping and praising God. Now, I always tell you when you read the Bible to put yourself into that situation because I want you to put yourself in that situation in their shoes. And I don't think any of us have ever had that bad of a day before. We've had bad days, but have you ever had a mob mentality come and beat you with a stick many times and then put chains around? And then uh, it's just not emotionally fun to have a group of people against you. And we like to be liked, remember? We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And I bet a few people were kicking them. I'd be sitting there and say, well, God, I understand the sticks, but why'd that one guy kick me so many times? <laughs> really, wouldn't we? You know, my, my ribs are sore. Why, God, why did he have to kick me? <laughs> but they're emotionally tired. They're spent. And that's why it's so amazing. In Acts 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining. Oh. How many of us would that scripture have been accurate about? Huh? Something doesn't go our way. The promotion doesn't come that we get. Somebody didn't do what we thought they should do. We're, do. we're worth more. We're not being treated. We're not getting the respect that we need. And we start complaining. But here it says around midnight that they were praying and worshiping God. Point number one is we need to zoom out. We need to zoom out. Amen. What does that mean, Pastor Mark? And I'm going to tell you from personal experience, when I have gone through an emotional depression or I have gone through a spiritual vacation, I don't feel like God is hearing my prayers I don't feel like spending time in the Word. Satan is lying, saying nobody loves you, nobody appreciates you. Bless you. <laughs> I have zoomed in on a problem, and I have focused on it, and I have chose not to forgive. I have chose not to forget. I have chose not to overlove. I have chose to, to, to judge in that situation. And all of a sudden, God says, you're focusing on the wrong thing, Mark. And as long as you focus on the wrong thing, and you're zoomed in on that act, that word, that email, that, that action, you will not restore the joy of your salvation. 
Because you cannot walk in unforgiveness and expect God's forgiveness. You can't walk in anger and expect to get joy. And that's where we grow as Christians. And that's why we get together and we encourage each other to say, you know what, I know that this is a difficult time for you. And I know that you're hurting and I'm praying for you. But you've got to get into the word. Here's a scripture that God gave me that I wanted to share with you. Start memorizing. Remember last week, I encouraged you. Memorize Psalms 91. It's one of the best passages. It's 16 verses. Start focusing on the word and start memorizing. Because we have to zoom out from what's happening. We have to see the big picture. You know, in Matthew 7, 22, there's a scripture that says, and many will come before me saying, Lord, Lord, I did this and this and this and this. And it says, depart from me because you knew me not. And what that's saying is they knew about him, but they didn't know him. They didn't love him. God was not the priority of their day. It was something that they may have done a few Sundays a year, or they they sent a beautiful Christmas card, and they underlined the name Jesus, and they think, wow, that's going to get me into heaven. God is looking for a relationship for us. He wants to be a part of your daily life and not just on Sunday mornings. Or not when you're driving and you just happen to scan the stations and a good Christian song comes on. He wants you worshiping all the time. Man, I'll tell you, there's times when, have you ever had a song get in your head? And it could be a goofy song, but you know, you get that song in your head and all day long you're singing it. And you're thinking, I wish I could get this song out of my head. That's what God wants to do for you in the reverse to get a worship song in. And man, I'll tell you, I want you walking around Walmart. You're just saying, you know, starting singing a song in your heart. Start praying. Start thanking God for the people that he's surrounded you with. Especially in Walmart. That's challenging. We need to stay focused on the big picture. The big picture. Here's a letter that was written to her parents. It says, Dear Mom and Dad, I have so much to tell you. Because of the fire in my dorm room that was set off by the student riots, I have experienced temporary lung damage, and I had to go to the hospital. While I was there in the hospital, I fell in love with an orderly. He's an older gentleman, and he got fired because of his drinking. So we're moving to Alaska, where we might get married and raise a love child. Love your daughter. P.S. None of this really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class, and I wanted to keep things in perspective. Now, I don't recommend that, especially for my kids, to, uh, to be the, the approach of keeping things in perspective. But you know what? There's going to be times where we fail a chemistry test, and it's not the end of the world. There's going to be times that you're let go from an employer, and it's not the end of the world. There's going to be times that you're going to owe some money that, that you're believing God for. It's not the end of the world. And you have to zoom out, and you have to focus on what is important. And what is important is worship. Because worship... Worship is taking our eyes off the external circumstances and focusing on God. Taking our eyes off of our external circumstances and focusing on God. There was an evangelist in the past, a revival, and I think Austin was telling me about it. And all before service would start, healings were taking place, miraculous things were taking place. He would wear a box on his head. 
I thought that was really odd. I've been tempted to do that lately because what happens is when you're not wearing a box, you're looking at all the things wrong everywhere else. And what God is saying is focus on me. Focus on me. Don't look over here. Don't look to the right or left. Focus on me. And I think sometimes we're like, God, I love you. God, I, I think you're really awesome. And he's saying, I'm right here. How many of us would have a conversation with someone and we're not looking? Wayne, I want to tell you, I really think that's, really, that's a good-looking shirt, man. And you're going to think, why won't he look me in the eyes? And are we not doing that with God when we're praying? Let's look to God, the author and finisher of our faith. Look to God. He is the one that will never fail you. Man will fail you. God will never fail you. And we're going through life saying, God, I, I'm looking for you everywhere. And he's like, I'm up here. I'm not in that problem. I'm not in that drama over there. I'm not on daytime television. We stop focusing on what's wrong with us, and we start focusing on what's right with God. That's worth more than two amens. Because we stop focusing on what's wrong with us and what's right with God. That's what worshipers do. Worshippers look for the right in God. Paul and Silas could have zoomed in and complained. They could have been saying, God, we cast out a demon and this is what we get. God, I left my full-time job and I'm out here on this missionary journey and I get beaten and thrown in jail and the food's not very good either. How many of us would have been zooming in on our circumstance, on our situation, and our prayers would have been complaints to God? God, it's not fair that they got their promotion. God, it's not fair that they get this. Why do my neighbors have all this stuff and I don't have anything? We have to zoom out. And what happens when we worship, it equalizes our spiritual equilibrium. Because when we start complaining, we start leaning. And when we start leaning, we need to start worshiping so that we can stay balanced in this world. Because this world is full of hatred. This world is full of despair. This world is full of lies and deceit. And we're to be the light. We're to be the salt of Christ in this world. And if we start looking at all everything that's wrong and not everything that's right, we will start leaning. And we're going to be a bunch of churches walking around like this. Because we're leaning to everything that's wrong and not to everything that's right. It helps us to, to focus on the big picture. Pastor Mark, what is the big picture? I'm glad you asked. The big picture is this. 2,000 years ago, my Savior left heaven, a perfect place, and came to an imperfect place. 2,000 years ago, my Savior left a place of glory to come to a place of rejection. 2,000 years ago, my Savior came and took the place on the cross for my sins. Because I could never be good enough, never work good enough, never give enough to get into God's presence because of what separated me, sin. 2,000 years ago, this happened. Then he sent the Holy Spirit to come in and dwell with us, and to dwell with us, and to live in us, and guide, and direct, and lead us. He also has his thoughts on us every day. Do you know that God thinks about you every day? He doesn't just create you and say, okay, I'll see you in 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. He is with us every day. This is the big picture that we need to be looking at. But then we have a future. We have an eternity with God. He wants to spend eternity with us. This 
70, 80, 90 years that we have is a vapor compared to eternity. We can't even comprehend how little this is to how big that is. How many of y'all had an opportunity that if you could give somebody a dime, they would take care of your finances the rest of your life and you'd have everything you ever needed? Do you think that you would invest a dime in that situation? Twice on Tuesday. I'd, I'd do it every day, okay? <laughs> and that's what God is saying is, trust me in this brief time and you'll spend eternity with me. But we choose to handle things ourselves. We choose to walk in rejection. We choose not to accept Christ. We choose to handle the problems ourselves, even when the Word says, Put your, cast your cares on me for I care for you. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. And we're saying, God, I know you got a plan, but my plan's better. Let's see you create a universe with your voice. And then I might follow you, okay? But right now, I'm following him, the author and finisher of my faith. And all he's saying is, Mark, I love you, and I want you to come to me. And I want you to come to me every day. And I want you to cast all your cares on me. And I want you to pray to me. And I want you to love me out of free will and not out of obligation. Because free will is the key to true love. I choose to love you. I have to love Carol. I choose to love you. She's my sister. I, yeah, I, I get to love her. You know I love you, Carol. This is what we need to be focusing because when we start focusing on the fundamentals of our faith, what everything God has done for us, what God is doing for us today, and what God has in store for us, no matter what situation you're facing today, just seems minimal compared to what God has planned for us. But we get to choose what we focus on. Wow, isn't that amazing? We get to choose what we're focusing on. We can focus and complain, or we can focus and worship. It all depends if, God, if you want God to restore the joy of your salvation. But I'm going to tell you, out of experience, that nothing is more difficult than praising God when everything's going wrong. I'm, in, I'm being honest with you. That's why you have to choose now when you're not in the middle of that storm. Because in the middle of the storm is not when you make that choice. In the middle of the storm is when you're responding to the choice that you've already made. So when you determine that I am going to worship no matter what happens, that's when you've made your decision how you're going to handle that storm. And what it's saying to God is that I'm worshiping you, God, not based on my circumstances, but because of your character. You getting that? How many of us only worship when our circumstances get bad? See, our prayer life should actually be more of the steering wheel than the flat tire or the spare tire. Okay? And the only time we go to God is when we have a flat tire and something's wrong. God, help me, help me, help me. But if we had been using God as our steering wheel, saying, is this the direction you want me to go, God? Is this the path? Is this what I'm supposed to be sharing? Is this what, God, forgive me for those thoughts. Was, was, and I know that wasn't of you. Take immediate responsibility for your thoughts. Paul says, take captive every thought. You will have thoughts, okay? But you take captive them. You say, God, that is not me. That is Satan, and I just rebuke it. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel better about it. 
But if not, then all of a sudden you're like, man, if I had an evil thought, I must be an evil person. If I'm an evil person, how can I live a holy God? That's what Satan does. That's exactly what Satan does. His whole theme is to, he's the father of lies. Everything that he speaks is a lie. But God cannot lie. God cannot change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Word of God tells us. So we have to focus on what's good. Point number two is responsibility. Responsibility. The ability to choose our response. Have you ever thought about that? You get to choose how you want to respond to something. You can choose to, to be offended, or you can choose to overlook. In the book, Man Searching for Meaning, Man Searching for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, Frankl was a Holocaust survivor who wrote about his experiences in the Nazi concentration camp. Everything was taken away from those prisoners. Everything. Their cell phones. Their, first off, when they arrived at the camp, they lost, they, everything was taken from them. Their personal belongings were taken from them. Then you know what else they took from them? They took from them their clothing. Then they shaved their heads. Then they took their names away from them, and uh, Victor Frankel was a uh, prisoner 119104, and that's how he was referenced. They took everything away from them, and this is what Victor wrote. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of human freedoms is to choose one attitude in any set of given circumstances. Did you get that? I mean... Has anybody come in and taken everything away from you, shaved your head, made you naked, given you a number instead of a name, and you're saying, you know what? I'm still going to worship God. Because it's not based upon this, and it's not based upon what's in my wallet or my bank account. It's not based upon my title. Okay? God doesn't care about our titles. He cares about our heart, our spirit, our soul. That's what He cares about. And your internal attitudes are more important than your external circumstances. Your internal attitudes are more important than your external circumstances. And here comes a real good one. Your outcome is going to be impacted by your outlook. And I'm not talking about your calendaring program. Your outcome is going to be impacted by your outlook. The way you see things is going to determine how you come through a situation how you come through a trial, a test, a storm in life, a season of dryness in your life, where you just don't feel God's presence in your life, you still worship. And as I said earlier, it's a very hard thing to do, but that's our core fundamental. We get into the Word of God. And at the end of the day, one way or another, our focus determines our reality. Paul and Silas were in prison. Their physical bodies, I hope you catch this, their physical bodies were in chains, but their spirit wasn't. Do you think about that? You see, your finances may be in chains, but your spirit's not. Your physical body may have sickness, but your spirit is not. There is nothing that Satan can do to chain your spirit. You have to surrender that. You have to choose to surrender your spirit. They chain them up, they beat them, but not their spirits. I wish we had an MP3 audio file 
Paul and Silas singing in that prison. Now, no offense to Dino. I even complimented Dino and Stephen this morning. I said, man, you guys were spot on with the harmony, but I don't even think they were harmonizing. I mean, if I'm beaten black and blue, the thing I'm not caring about is what chord I'm singing in. I'm desperation. I'm singing out to God, okay? And I'm going to sing loud, okay? I don't know if you've ever gotten to a point where God, where ever, you've lost everything. You've lost everything. You're in desperation, and you don't care what anybody else thinks. And it's you and God, and it's not one of those times for thou most holiest Father who liveth in heaven. No, this is that real deal kind of prayer, saying, God, I am very hurt right now. And I'm, I'm seeking you with all my heart. Give me the joy, God. Give me your peace because I need it right now because right now I could spit hot. I've been that mad before, but I've prayed that prayer before. See, the Burkhart family just doesn't always walk around choir robes all week long and, and, and hum and, and do monastery chants. No, we live in a real world too. So I don't think Paul and Silas were in sync, and I don't think they were harmonizing, but I think those other prisoners were like, what are those guys doing? And you know what? In your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your family, when somebody sees you going through that, I'd like for them to be singing. Victoria, what, what are you, how are you singing through all of this? How do you have peace when everything in your world's falling apart? I want what she has because I've seen all the other stuff. They're looking to see, are we truly being chained also in our spirit? That's why other people are looking at us and why we're to be salt and light. My third and last point is expectancy. Expectancy. You can't plan Pentecost, which is revival. It was a break forth of, of God's spirit. But if you pray for 10 days, Pentecost might happen. Amen. See, we don't schedule God's revival. We seek God's face and revival comes. See, when we schedule revival the last two weeks of November, we're saying, God, we've penciled you in <laughs> and we're ready for you. No. But when he says, you know what, we're going to spend the next 10 days prayer and fasting seeking God with everyone. We're going to get every distraction out of our life and we're focusing on God. Yes. You will be amazed right. at what God will do. Yes. You cannot right. just God. schedule miracles with God because it was convenient for your schedule. Finishing the verse in Acts 16, verses 26 and 32. Suddenly a violent earthquake shook the foundations of the jail. All the doors immediately flew open, and all the prisoners, all the prisoners, that's why God needs us here. Do you understand? That's why God, you say, I work in the most ungodly place on the face of the earth. That's why God has you there. My school is horrific. That's why God has you there. My neighbor is a Satan worshiper. That's why God has you there. Okay? I hope you're getting what I'm putting down here, okay? And it says, all the doors immediately flew open. All the prisoners' chains came loose. The jailer woke up and saw the prison doors open. Thinking the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Talk about job performance. But God shouted as, but, but Paul shouted, I think God shouted too. But Paul shouted as loudly as he could, don't hurt yourself, we're all here. The jailer asked for torches and rushed into the jail. 
He was trembling as he knelt in front of Paul and Silas. Then he took Paul and Silas outside and asked, Wow, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want what you have. I want what you have. And they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you and your family will be saved. They spoke the, the, words, the Lord's word to the jailer and everyone in his home. And guess what? Everybody in his home got saved. That's why you need to read chapter 16 of Acts. You can't script that kind of thing. You can't plan that kind of miracles. But when you worship God, you never know what's going to happen. When you worship God, you never know what's going to happen. Worship sets the stage for miracles. It helps us stay positive in a very negative world. We live in a very negative world. Watch the news and you'll realize we live in a very negative world. But we have to stay positive. No matter how bad, as a follower of Christ, things may get, I have an eternity in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, my pain is real, but so is my heaven. See, sometimes we focus on what we see and not what is unseen. And the Word of God tells us that what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And the key to focusing with the right reality is this. When we let what's wrong with us keep us from worshiping what's right with God, we have the wrong reality. Did you get that? When we let what's wrong with us keep us from worshiping what's right with God, we have the wrong reality. God is a good God. God is a loving God. God cares about you. Paul gives us some advice in this in Philippians 4, 6. And it says, Whatsoever is true, and whatever is noble, and whatever is right, and whatever is pure, and whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That is a choice we get to make. And you say, Pastor Mark, you don't know how horrible my world is right now. Then I'm saying, you don't know how wonderful God is. Get into the Word of God and fall in love with Him. Don't have life insurance just so that because you said a prayer in VBS when you were six years old and you think you're getting into heaven. Have that relationship where you can't wait to be with God. And here's a closing thought. The circumstances you complain about are going to become the chains that imprison you. And worship is the way of breaking those chains. Paul and Silas were set physically free because of their worship. That earthquake was sent by God. That wasn't coincidental. Chains falling off of you during the worship? Hmm. That was God. Worship sets off a chain reaction. It looked better on paper, okay? (laughs) It really did. And there are circumstances, are there circumstances that you're allowing to imprison you? Is there hurt and bitterness that you're allowing to imprison you? Is there anger that you're allowing to imprison you? Are you choosing not to forgive people and that's imprisoning you? 
Are you focusing on everything wrong in your life and allowing that to imprison you? Here's our assignment for the week. I would love to see you post on our Facebook page something that you're thankful for each day of the week. Or on your Facebook page. Why don't we become, as Kristen said, a fountain of hope as opposed to a drain? And instead of posting everything negative in our lives out on the Facebook where everybody reads it, start thanking God for the very simple things. Your ability to walk, your ability to see, your ability to taste, your ability to hear. That you're here and you're not in a hospital room right now. Amen? We live in the most prosperous country in the world. You say, well, I don't feel very prosperous. You're still in the most prosperous place in the whole world, a place of opportunity. We have so much to be thankful for, but are we willing to take a few minutes and post those praises each day as opposed to all the things that are so menial in our life? Record something. Record gratitude. Write it down. Because in my closing scripture, it's a spiritual discipline. In Psalms 103.2, it says, Praise the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all of his benefits. How many of us have forgotten the benefits that God has done for us? How many of us have been a long time since we've said thank you, God, for anything that he's done? Or even cared about anything that God has done? All we focused on is man and their mistreatment on us and their anger and their hurt and their bitterness instead of God's love. Because remember, everything we see is temporary. Everything unseen is eternal. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead everybody in a very simple prayer. It's a prayer we say every week. Some of you have memorized it, and that's great because God may allow you to use it with other people, but it basically it's a very simple prayer saying, God, I need you to be my Lord. I cannot control my life anymore. This is what this prayer is all about. It's not just to get you into heaven. It's to get you into a relationship. Do you understand? This is a, like a, a proposal to God saying, God, I want to be wholly yours. I don't want to be in this world. I want to be with you. And it's the beginning of a beautiful relationship that comes through spending time in the Word of God, spending time worshiping. And that means sacrificing some of your time, but that's all that prayer is going to cost you is time. Would everybody just pray with me on this, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. So whether you're listening to this live or through an iTunes recording, you've just made the most important decision in your life. Because we never know when will be our last breath on this world. We never know. There are young people that thought they always had tomorrow, and they're not here today. We never know. 
But while we're here, seek God. Seek your purpose. Ask him, God, why was I created? Why am I here? Why am I here this season, Lord God? What is important right now that you want me to do? Because you were created with a plan and a purpose, and God loves you. Not to occupy till you get to heaven, not to just take up space on this earth, but he sent you here with a mission. I want to thank you for coming today, and I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So would you all please stand? And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go now in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.